Welcome to Oilfield Talk. My name is Trey Falk, and I'm host of Oilfield Talk podcast. We want to speak with workers from all other aspects of the oil and gas industry and allow them the outlet to tell some crazy, amazing stories you just wouldn't believe are true. Not just the wildcats, the drillers, the roughnecks, the roustabouts, but the land-based offshore drilling operations, service companies, vendors, third-party personnel, production, transportation, all aspects of the industry that provide expertise throughout the oil field industry. But each of these have many, many hilarious stories to share about their time in the oil patch. I have no doubt that we will be able to share entertaining stories or tell tall tales that anyone who works in the industry will appreciate and get a hearty laugh while listening. But this is also going to be a family podcast. We'll be able to invite our families at home to listen. Although they won't believe half the stories we share, they may have a couple of dozen questions. Maybe it will give them and everyone a greater appreciation of the jobs we have in the oil field and why we enjoy our oil field family for half a year. So please take an hour or so out of your day. Give a listen to the Oil Field Talk podcast. Hope you enjoy the stories as much as I enjoy bringing them to you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Oilfield Talk. It's been a fun, crazy week. I've spent the week up in Hobbs, New Mexico. Miss Monica asked me to come out and see the Oilfield program that New Mexico Junior College is putting on, which is an excellent program. I'll be doing a full podcast episode on that. My week's been busy, and unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to get this week's episode down and ready to go. So I'm going to drop a short bonus episode this week and a full episode next week. This episode's going to be Mr. Charles Houston. This gentleman I met outside the hotel in Lafayette, Louisiana, when I was there doing my paramedic refresher. He saw my shirt. We started talking and come to find out he was moving into the area to get into the oil field. He's got a good little story, short, maybe 10, 15 minutes at the most. Hope you enjoy it. I'll get you a full episode out next week. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Oilfield Talk. I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana. I've been going through my paramedic refresher and meeting and greeting people. And of course, I find people that are interested in the show as well as uh, if I can talk them into recording uh, content, I'll take it any day. So I met this gentleman this morning. Uh, we just stepped outside watching the sunrise, basically. He's in the oil field. He's getting in the oil field. He's got a great history as far as what he's done in his past. And the stuff that he's about to do is about as scary a stuff as you can do in the oil field. And I'll let him tell you what that is in just a minute. He's moving to Lafayette. He's new to the area. He comes from Seattle, Washington area. So what's your name? Uh, so my name is uh, Charles Houston, and uh, just graduated from the Herald at DIT in uh, Seattle, Washington, which is uh, kind of non-debatably the best dive school in the country. And uh, moving here to Lafayette to work as uh, starting out as a tender for Aquios, and uh, hopefully they won't make me wait too long to get splashing um, doing commercial diving. No, that's it. Commercial diving. Guys, that is about as scary as it gets. You put on your big bell helmet and you dive whatever depth you're working and you're working underwater in crazy conditions. And I've actually met some and known some in the past. And 
yep, they all had to start off, you know, tending the tending the hoses. Even though you pass the school, they're going to put you through the paces and starting out. Better watch out. They might do some hazing. Thankfully, uh, Aquios was my number one choice for employment. According to like word around the tree houses that the, the hazing's not too bad. Thankfully, uh, as per some advice I received at school, it's, if anyone's really trying to haze me too bad, I'm just going to tell them I'm going to take them outside and whoop them. Because at the end of the day, we're all men and uh, we can go outside. Yeah, that's the way it's been settled a long time. Usually it's all in jest or all in fun. You know, you got to pay your dues. But anyway, yeah, it's just part of it. Have you ever worked in the oil field before? Uh, never. This is my first uh, step into the industry. I was uh, previously an aerospace fabricator, so I'm just kind of getting into it now. So when you say fabricator, you're talking like CNC, cutting, welding, modeling, uh, or just mechanical? Yeah, it was uh, kind of all of the above. I was at a small private aerospace company, and as I was technically a sheet metal technician, but um, the company was so small, I was doing like a little bit of everything. So I was doing a little bit of programming, a little bit of CAD work, uh, bending, riveting, fastening, assembly. Yeah. So aerospace big out there, you got Boeing and all that. So I'm I'm guessing they were like a subcontractor or something like that. Yeah. We were doing small batches of parts for out of commission jets, uh, private aircraft, even some space stuff. Uh, we had contracts all over the place. That is cool. So I got a question, and someday I'm going to have this guy on the on the podcast, even though technically he doesn't work in the oil field, at least not yet. I want to ask you, have you ever used the new 3D printing technology for metal? So they have metal 3D printing, just like we're using plastic right now is the big thing. You can make anything. Heck, you can buy on Amazon little 3D printers. He's actually using 3D metal printing technology and printing parts for the military. Actually, he's in the military. So have you ever seen any of that? I, I haven't had the opportunity yet. I've seen that they have gotten these out yet. Um, it's definitely only in the industrial application that these guys are getting to use those machines. It's still pretty new. I'm pretty sure they've only had that implemented in the past couple of years even, but that's some exciting stuff right there. I tell you what, it is freaky, crazy, exciting. I mean, just a a short blurb on it. And man, when he tells it, how he got into it, I guess. But I mean, basically, he was just a small fabricator working in, in the military. This technology, they wanted to look at it. So they said, hey, you want to go to this school? He went to this school, got all these qualifications, came back. They started piddling around with it in the military. And of course, what happens in the military? Budget cuts, you know? I mean, and next thing you know, you know, somebody calls them up and go, hey, you know that machine we've been playing with? We sent you to that $100, $100,000 school. I don't know how much it costs, but, you know, send you to that school. Uh, don't worry about it. We're, we're going to shelve that program. We're done. So, And that was it. They just hung up. And he's back to his just regular uh, milling or, or whatever, you know, mechanical work he was doing. But nobody came for the equipment. It's still in his shop. So... He liked it. He was good at it. At the school, they said, you're a natural at the programming. He can just see it in his in his head, and he knows how to program it. He just continued to play with it while the program was dead. He got the equipment. Everything's needed right there. Well, they needed a part to get this piece of equipment back going. He said, I can, I can make that. And he made the part, and they said, wow. Well, what else can you make? And he said, whatever you need. So 
long story short, and like I said, the way he tells it is just incredible. He kind of revived that program, is now considered like one of the lead people in the military. Let me just say, he gets phone calls from Washington asking, can this be done? Can that be done? How should we do this? How should we do that? Is considered one of the leading experts in the military on this uh, technology because he just continued to piddle around with it. So something for everybody to understand or learn, never stop learning, always continue. You just never know where those opportunities are come up. So anyway, sorry to get off on a sidetrack. I might even cut that out so that uh, I don't mess up all of your story. But so tell me, uh, are you excited? What do you what do you think about the oil field so far? I'm really excited. Um, this is my number one dream career. I had a little dip in employment from aerospace, and the only reason I ended up in aerospace was just because I uh, couldn't really find myself in underwater welding school at the time. I ended up getting certified as a fabricator welder in lieu of being able to find myself in an underwater welding school. The opportunity presented itself to just up and move up to Seattle to go to GIT, which I don't mean to be redundant, is just like the best school in the country for it. You know, it's kind of like, I don't I don't know how it is for other people. I can really only say how it happened for me. Like, I, I feel like it's kind of just the, this abstract concept doing the marine construction thing. It's hard to kind of know what to expect with the situation. It was kind of just everything I'd hoped it would be and more. And um, DIT's curriculum was so rich. I got to try so many different things, just like underwater rigging, the cutting, welding. Uh, They have a really rich open water scuba program, navigation, uh, salvage to where I can't remember how much the boat weighed, but we take a boat off a bottom with lift bags. It was just everything I thought it would be and more. And it was just such a privilege getting to experience just being underwater and getting to work down there. I had a whole bunch of moments to where I was just overwhelmed with gratitude that I even got to do something like that. It really felt so special. And it was just, I realized it was just an educational experience to where it's not real world application, but it was like, okay, if this is a taste of what I'm going to be experiencing, like, man, I'm going to have a really good time doing exactly what I want to do. That's like the Harvard of commercial diving, a master's degree with that particular program, because they do put you through all the the possibilities. Well, a lot of the possibilities. I'm going to say some schools, uh, they'll give you a little of this and a little of that, but it's more immersive. Happy to hear that. Maybe one day I'll get out there and have a look myself. I don't think I'm going to be diving or anything, but hey, it sounds like a, I mean, it scares me. Some of the stuff y'all do and go down into a, a ship or a vessel and get all around that steel and you got a thousand feet i don't know how many feet a lot of damn water um between you and the surface it takes a pair of brass ones i commend you for it and thank you for taking care of us because we hire you in offshore to come out and do inspections to do maintenance to change out yep to change out uh, anodes uh, underneath the ship i mean we use commercial divers well, I'm going to say often in the sense that, I mean, I know every five years or so, we've got to have them come out and at least take a look or visually inspect. And then that once we get you there, we're going to use you to change out and do some maintenance that we know needs to be done. They're actually trying to get some of these little mini subs to start taking over some of that inspection. But some of the auditors and certifying companies and things like that, they're not quite on board with just a visual that they want a diver that can actually kind of double check or, you know, touchy feely. Yeah, no, 
there's definitely uh, limits to what an ROV can do. Is, uh, what, what's an ROV going to do in a zero visibility situation? You know, I could just talk a little bit more about DIT even. is like we got thorough zero vis training to where we had to do a lot of drilling with just, they just straight up slapped duct tape over our helmets and just told us to figure it out. I'd say like the coolest uh, part of the curriculum for me at least was like some of the deep dive stuff to where they brought us down to 160 and I had to throw a hot water suit on ourselves. You can't even get some of this technology to work. You know, I, I sure hope I'm not uh, ratting you out. It's like we're just trying to get the recorder to work and we're having to freeze up. And it's like can't get some of these kiosks to work. The phones don't work half the time. It's like you're really going to trust an ROV to do a little bit of maintenance work, this, that, and the other one. It's actually supplying our energy and our, our fossil fuels and stuff like that. I, I think we're a, a ways out before we could really trust some of that harder heavy lifting stuff to anything floating in water. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, a hundred percent. And there's, there's definitely restrictions to that technology where they're not able to do some of the tasks that we need them to do. So have they told you when you get to go offshore and when you actually get to start playing in the water? Uh, yeah, it's going to be a real minimal amount of shop time that uh, they're going to have me here. And it, it's looking like they already have a couple contracts they're looking to pass me under. Um, they're already talking about sending me over towards uh, Southern California. They got some stuff over there, and I'm getting a couple extra certifications, and I'm going to mess up. There's just so many certs. I'm just drowning in certs right now. But one was particularly for working in Panama. So they're uh, probably going to be sending me down to Panama fingers crossed to do some rigging work which is super cool another huge part of the allure of the occupation is getting to do the the travel and infra infrastructure stuff all over the place you know i had instructors that had worked in dubai and you know south america and just all over the place the occupation has taken them everywhere again just with the credentials that coming from dit and then working with a really reputable company i know aqueous is also working in conjunction with like sub c7 and other companies of that caliber too. So I know we're really supporting some of the heaviest hitters in the industry in terms of like uh, getting the outsourced diver work passed over to our company. So really proud to be serving these people. Hey, you're definitely in the right spot. I mean, you got the, the Harvard degree of commercial diving and you're working with one of the top operators and, and companies in the world. You build that reputation, that probably talking your personal reputation as being solid and sound and knowing your stuff. You can start going as far as you want to go and doing whatever you want, you know, where you want to go and what you want to do. I've been all around the world myself. How old are you? Uh, 35. Well, I appreciate your time. We're fixing to actually go uh, get us a bite to eat. I'll just use this as a little teaser along the way when I need to fill a little bit of time. I hope that doesn't bother you. Oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. You're actually going to be one of my new best friends because you have a history in doing what? Audio engineering. That's what I'm talking about. So he's going to help me, hopefully, learn a little bit more about the technology, the equipment, the editing. He actually ran a podcast. So this guy's done quite a bit, although he's going to be deep in it, pun intended, uh, with uh, the new job. Hopefully we'll be able to stay in touch and I'll be able to learn some of his tricks, create a better podcast, a cleaner, smoother audio experience for everybody. Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity. It's fun to talk about myself. <laughs> well, all right. If you want to keep talking, no, I'm joking. Thanks again, and y'all have a good evening.
Nomad Mobile Productions is a broadcasting and media production company that produces podcasts and provides a mobile podcast studio complete with audio and video recording equipment. We also offer post-production processing, editing, marketing, and publication for podcasts. Our mobile production studio will come to you. Visit our webpage, nomadmobileproductions.com, or our Facebook, 